Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church, where you go to church with the whole wide world every time you turn this thing on. Man, I'm telling you something. This series is about to dive into the meat because, you know, if you want a revelation about your victory over the devil and you're really ready to end all the fear, all the nonsense that you believe about the devil, this is it. It really takes the turn today. Now listen, if you haven't viewed my previous programs on this, go back and watch the other two programs at impactministries.com because I want you up and current because today we're going to talk about something that I'm telling you I've never heard people really teach about. I'm going to talk about Satan A.D. You say, what do you mean? You see, most of what we believe about the devil, first of all, is not even scriptural. It's not even the Bible. But secondly, the stuff that is in the Bible is mostly taken from before the resurrection. Today, you're going to see the devil after the resurrection. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Man, I got a great download for you this month. It's fight your very last battle with the devil. You know something? I'm going to teach you how to live in victory. No more fighting with the devil. No more screaming at the devil. No more chasing demons around. You're going to win a victory. It's going to last forever. Listen, just click right here right now and get this free download. You know, most of the time when I hear people teach about spiritual warfare or anything that has to do with the devil, they'll read some Old Testament passages, which are true, and then they'll link those to some New Testament passages. But the problem is they're defining and interpreting these New Testament passages based on these Old Testament passages with absolutely no regard for the resurrection of Jesus. It's sort of like we read all these scriptures, completely ignore and jump over the resurrection of Jesus and then come and we actually misinterpret these New Testament scriptures because we're ignoring the cross of Christ. Don't mean to, that's not our plan. We're not trying to ignore Jesus, but you know something, people do it every single day. It's amazing the things that we believe that deny the cross of Christ. Now, let me just review. We talked about absolute truths, and absolute truths are those truths that are concrete. They are clear. You know, one of the things I always tell our students in our school of ministry, never use obscure truth or obscure scripture to explain away the obvious. And people are so desperate to have a revelation. People are so desperate to appear spiritual and insightful that they're always trying to find something new. Well, I got news for you. The power is not in finding something new. The power is getting people to believe what is true, what is clear, what has always been true. Because when people believe that in their heart, I'm telling you, they experience victory. And I want to tell you something, 45 years of ministry, people that come up under my ministry that focus all of their attention and all of their interpretation of the scripture on the life, the teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I got news for you. They don't have trouble with the devil. They don't fight with the devil all the time. Their life is not filled with fear because of what the devil might do. As a matter of fact, I can tell you this, the devil's afraid of them because they know who they are in Jesus. They know who Jesus is and they only see him A.D., 
you know, after the resurrection. Now, remember, we can't choose which truths we want to accept. And many people do. You know, I have known people that built their ministry on a particular message, and then many times they would discover that that message was flawed. Maybe it wasn't completely wrong, but it was flawed. But the problem was they could not change their message. Their ego would not let them adjust their message to preach the truth because that message was what drew people to them. That message was what gave them financial partners. And I mean, I have seen people just say, you know, I can't shift now. If I do, I'll lose my followers. Well, I'll tell you something. We don't have the right to choose the truths that we will accept. And uh, if we're following the Lordship of Jesus, we don't have the right to eliminate or to reject anything in the Scripture just because it doesn't fit our current paradigm. Revelation only comes when we change our perspective. Revelation is not when God shows us something completely different or something new because He's been hiding it and He's waiting for us to grow up enough. No revelation comes whenever we become open to something and we change our perspective. Now, when there are seeming contradictions between two scriptures, we must do all of the responsible translation and interpretation work, and we should look at the context, the language, and use all these interpretation tools. But at the end of the day, we must interpret and understand all truth in light of the life, the teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Otherwise, we will become guilty of creating a private interpretation. Now, the Apostle Peter warns against private interpretation, and a private interpretation is a way of interpreting the Word that kind of suits you. It kind of fits what you want or fits your lifestyle. I want to tell you something. Right now, the body of Christ reeks with people who are living compromised and defeated lives who are adjusting the Scripture to make it fit their lives so they can feel good about themselves. You've heard me tell the story, you know, in the 70s and 80s, I was dying of a kidney disease. And I'm telling you what, I was accused of being a hypocrite. I was accused of being a phony because I would still preach about healing even though I was dying. And you've heard me tell it before, you know, I'd preach a message on healing and afterwards I'd have to go into a, a room and let Brenda give me a shot because if I didn't take an injection every four hours, I'd die in a day or two. And at the end of it all, you know, my position was this. Just because it's not working for me doesn't mean it's not in the Bible. I can't change my doctrine to fit my circumstance. If Jesus is my Lord, all Scripture, everything I preach and teach has to be based on His life, teaching, His death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm going to tell you something, there's nothing else. So in the Old Testament... We read these scriptures about Satan and about demonic activity, and we read about the principalities and powers that controlled nations. And so we have people today saying, well, see, see, Satan controls this area. A certain kind of demon controls this area. Well, you know, my question is, what do you do with scriptures that tell us about Jesus' victory over principality and power? We read scriptures from the book of Job, which most of those scriptures, they're all true in the sense that this is what people said and did. But God clearly says in the book of Job that not everything that was said in the book of Job is actually truth. But there is some truth in the book of Job. And so Satan in the book of Job, you know, he went before the throne of God. And people are always talking about him going before the throne of God and condemning you. And Jesus is having to argue with God to convince God, you know, that you're all right. And he doesn't need to kill you. 
What? Where do you get that nonsense in light of the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead? As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, it tells us that when Jesus was raised from the dead, that Satan was cast down to the earth and that he runs to and fro. He's in this great panic. Why? Because he knows he's defeated. He knows that he only has a short time. Now, stop and think about it. Satan, first and foremost, or Lucifer, first and foremost, was a fallen angel. Now, many people have these concepts that as such, he is more spiritual, he has more authority, he has more power, he has more rights than we do. But listen to this. You've got to always go back and see what the Bible says. The book of Hebrews, the first chapter, the 14th verse says this, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. I want to tell you something. The highest responsibility that an angel can have here on planet Earth is to minister for us. And let me just tell you something. That does not include sending your angels to do, telling your angels to go do things for you. That's a bunch of nonsense. There's no place in the Bible that tells you you have the right to command your angels to go and do things. You know, we pray to God and our interaction is with God and we trust God to take care of what needs to be taken care of on the other side of things. But the real goal is, or the real point here is this. If Satan's or if the angel's jobs were to be servants to us or for us, then when Satan fell, he just became an out-of-work servant. He's never had authority over us. He's never been elevated above us. He has never been who modern pop theology tries to tell us that he is. Now, listen, we're going to take the mask off Satan. You're going to see something you're just not going to believe. I'll be right back. Do not go away for the second half. My brand new series on Satan Unmasked is going to open your eyes to who Satan is since the resurrection of Jesus and show you how to have absolute victory all the time. No more fear, no more dreading, no more thinking that he's going to attack you, no more living in guilt and condemnation. Listen, the days that lay ahead, if we're going to live as overcomers, we've got to know who God is. We've got to know who Jesus is. We've got to know what we have in Jesus. And we've got to know who Satan really is. And I'm going to unmask him with the word of God. And for the first time, you're going to see who he really is. You're going to see and understand what really happened to him through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you're going to understand your victory in him is absolute. I mean, I'm telling you, it is a done deal. This is going to make walking with God where you don't even have to consider what the devil's doing. You don't have to worry about what the devil's doing. You're going to be free to focus on God and all of his promises. You know, most of us believe more about what the devil says about himself than we do what God says about the devil. But I'm telling you, if you hang in here with me through this series, you're going to see God in a different light, and you're going to see the devil in a different light, and you're going to see you in your situation in a different light. You're going to see yourself in victory in a way that you may have never, ever, ever seen yourself in victory. Now, remember, and I said this to you in the very first message in this series, there are three realities. There are three identities you have to see as they are, according to God. Number one, you've got to see God as he is. 
And only when you see God as He is, can you then see yourself as you really are in Christ. And then you've got to see Satan as he is, which means you've got to see him as a defeated foe. You've got to see him after the cross of Christ. Now, Isaiah 14, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're going to go into this a lot probably next week. But Isaiah 14 talks about, you know, Satan and all of his pride and, and arrogance. In verse 12, he says, How are you fallen from the heavens, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. But listen to this. Yet, and this is what God says. See, that was what Lucifer said about himself. This is what God says. Yet, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Verse 16, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the one who made the earth to tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Now, do you get that? See, it's interesting. The Bible teaches us that when we see God as He is, instead of how religion has taught Him, then we're going to fall in love with God. We're going to begin to live in victory. You know, we're going to be established in grace and peace. All these wonderful things that are going to come as a result of seeing God as He is. And then we realize that when we see ourselves as we really are in Christ, then suddenly, you know, we're going to put on Christ and we're going to see ourselves in the world as Christ is in this world. But what's interesting, the Bible talks about a day, a time when we will finally see Lucifer as he really is. It says that we're going to look on him. The King James says narrowly. And we're going to say, what? This is what the whole world was afraid of? This is what used to scare me in the dark when I was a grown man or a fully grown adult? We're going to literally be embarrassed because of the way we retreated, the way we were afraid of the devil when we finally see him as he is and realize all the false credit that we gave him. All the dreams that we gave up because we were afraid that he might attack us. All the time we spent yelling and screaming and binding and loosening. And man, listen, I've been in this stuff a long time. I'm telling you back in the 70s and 80s, and I'm sure it still goes on, but in the 70s and 80s, people were nuts in spiritual warfare. People were flying over cities in airplanes because they thought they had to get up in the heavenly places to bind the devil and all that kind of stuff. You know, I always think about one buddy that I had up in Canada, and he would get up after his whole family would go to bed. He'd get down in his basement, and he'd, he, he would be in his underwear, but he would put all of his hockey gear on. And he'd get down in his basement with his hockey gear and do warfare. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now, look, I can look back at some things that I did and say, you know what? That was utterly ridiculous. But it was what I was taught. It was what I was influenced to believe that I should do. And the amazing thing is, when you do some of that stuff, you have moments of relief. But then it starts back. So you create a doctrine and says, okay, I rebuked the devil, he fleed from me. But now he's come back stronger. 
brought six more with him or whatever. Well, you know something? All of that's about what's going on inside of us. We're going to be amazed that we gave up our dreams. We're going to be amazed that we were afraid to serve God. We're going to be amazed at all the hours we spent and our delusional concept of spiritual warfare that we could have spent loving our family, walking with God, enjoying life when we finally see Him as He is. But here's the deal. We can wait until eternity to see Satan as He is. We can wait until Jesus comes back and binds Him. Or we can see Him now as He is and begin to live in Kingdom victory right now instead of waiting for some victory in the future. Listen, if I'm waiting for God to win some victory over the devil in the future, then I'm denying the cross of Christ. I'm not saying I'm not a Christian, but I'm saying I'm denying the victory that he gave me and the world over Satan. So I want you to start looking at him as he is. Satan, A.D., Satan through the finished work of Jesus. Satan as he really is right now. Satan stripped of power. And you know, we read this scripture in Colossians, but let's read it again because I want to hit on a certain aspect of it. Colossians chapter 2, 13 says this. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Now, remember, when the Bible talks about us being made alive together with him, if you go to the book of Ephesians and read this, it talks about us being raised up in him and all principality and power being under our feet. It's not over our head. It's under our feet. Why is all principality and power and might? Why is this under our feet? Because when Jesus raised up, he conquered all of this and we are in him. And the only thing that can open the door to the devil to us is if we don't believe the truth about Jesus. It's not your sin that opens the door to the devil. It's not your disobedience to God that opens the door to the devil. Those create problems in your life. Those may eventually erode your confidence and your confidence and your compromising of what you believe about the resurrection of Jesus might give him an opportunity in your life. But the real truth is, Nothing ever gives him legal authority in your life. He can't have legal authority in your life, and we're going to talk about that. As a matter of fact, turn this thing off for a minute and just meditate on you being in Jesus with one of your feet standing right across the throat of Satan. But now listen to this. So it says, so he's made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Now, you see, the way the law was interpreted in the Old Testament, it turned into these requirements that were against us. It turned into ordinances that God never gave. You know, if you read Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, Jesus goes through here comparing the righteousness of the Pharisees to the righteousness that he calls us to live in, which is based on love. And he'll say, you've heard it said, well, if you've heard it said, that means it wasn't written in the Bible. It means it's an ordinance that was extrapolated from what was written in the Bible. See, the problem with the law was the flesh. The Bible says the law is holy and good. Now, we're not under the law, but you see, all of that that is against us, all the curse of the law, all those things that once were against us, he's taken out of the way. 
So there is nothing for Satan to condemn us with. There's nothing that we should use to condemn ourselves. And it says, he took it out of the way, nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, there's an interesting phrase in the Greek here that's called a triumphal procession. Now, this is really important. Now, just imagine in ancient times, and this is what would happen, is uh, these farmers that would live out away from the protection of the king's army and live too close to some border, the king from another country would send bandits in, and they would go in and burn those farms, murder those people, and try to wreak havoc, wreak terrorism, basically, on the people who lived in those countries. And there would be battles. There would be skirmishes. So let's say that in our kingdom, you know, Jesus is our king. Oh, by the way, he is. So let's say that there's battles that are going on where, okay, we're winning these battles. But the problem is winning a battle is not winning the war. And so even though winning a battle would give us confidence in our king, it really would not solve the entire problem. So finally, the king assembles the whole army, and the king goes out and declares a full-blown war on the enemy. And when he totally obliterates that army, in other words, when he totally disarms them, when he totally conquers them, he is now going to have a triumphal procession. Now, there were victory celebrations for all of those other battles. And people rejoiced and celebrated and honored their king. But you see, they still knew that the battle wasn't over. In a triumphal procession, there's a lot of different ways that they would do it. Some of them were incredibly brutal. Many times, the winning king would take the enemy king and cut off his thumbs so that he could never, ever hold a weapon of war. Oftentimes, they would cut off their big toes so they could never balance themselves. In other words, they would never in any way be a threat to anyone. They would take the generals of their armies many times, and they would execute them before their eyes, and then they would gouge or burn their eyes out. So it was seared into their mind that there was no one left to fight for them. And then the winning king would take a rope or a chain and put around that king's neck and drag him through the streets while little children would go out there and spit on him and kick him and throw rotten vegetables at him. And finally, there would be peace in the kingdom because finally, the enemy king had been totally disarmed and our king led him in a triumphal procession so that we could now see him and have no fear of him. Well, you know, the sad thing is, if you don't look at Satan, A.D., if you don't look at Satan after the cross, after the resurrection, then you're not going to see a triumphal procession. Jesus invited you. It's in the Bible. You can see it anytime you want to. But you know what? Sometimes we just are ignorant of these facts. Sometimes we enjoy the excitement of fighting with the devil. It makes us feel spiritual and all those kinds of things. Well, you know something? That doesn't make you win. That doesn't give you victory. 
I am not seeing Satan as he is until I see him totally disarmed, totally stripped of power, having absolutely no authority, no capability to hurt me at all. And you might say, well, then how do I get hurt? How does he work into my life? I'll teach you that, and it won't be nearly as mystical as you think it is. Listen, I'll be back with my mentoring moment. Don't go away. I'm going to give you some practical things to do. Listen, if you really want to unravel all this in your life and you want to live in the victory that Jesus has given you, be sure and click now and download your series of Satan Unmasked. I'm telling you what, victory is yours. It's time to start living it today. I want to invite you to a outstanding meeting that we're going to be having in Edmonton, Canada, promoted by Docs and Ministries there. We are going to be having a Dignity and Worth seminar. I want to tell you something. Dignity and Worth is one of those foundational truths that once you have a biblically-based sense of self-worth, so many other factors in your life begin to come together. As a matter of fact, you can just end so many of life's struggles just by knowing who you are in Jesus and being able to experience who you are, feel right about yourself, feel the love of God. And we're going to have a workbook for you. This is going to be tremendous, and it's going to start on March the 31st, and it's going to go through April the 2nd. If you're interested in attending that, you can check our website or you can check Doxa Ministries in Canada. You don't want to miss this. This is absolutely going to be a life changer. All right, before I get into the mentoring moment, I just want to remind you, be sure and click right now to like this broadcast. And at the end of it, just take one second when this little card comes up and you can click on it to subscribe to my YouTube channel. When you do this, this will cause millions of people to have the opportunity to see this message. And after all, that's why we do this. We are trying to change the way the world sees God and we can't do that if we can't reach them. So when you like and subscribe, you're helping me reach and touch more people than I could ever, ever, ever reach by myself. Now, remember last week we started talking about bringing down all of our vain imaginations. Any argument that is contrary to what we know about Jesus. I want to give you a, a two little meditation exercises. Number one, I want you to get relaxed. I want you to create a mental movie where you see Jesus having a triumphal procession, literally dragging Lucifer behind him, stripped, weak, incapable of causing harm. And see yourself and the other citizens of the kingdom rejoicing and see the little children not afraid of him, spitting on him, throwing tomatoes at him. See that victory and then Imagine yourself in Christ and just however you see it, feel it, imagine, whatever you do to experience yourself as being in Christ and see yourself in Jesus or see Jesus doing this and you're in him walking out and literally putting your foot on his throat and having absolute confidence that he has no authority, no power, no way to conquer you, that he is absolutely a defeated foe. And I want to tell you something, as this becomes your reality, more and more and more you will find yourself free from fear and limitation. 
Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.